It's time to rock your midlife with Dr. Ellen Albertson. Are you ready to get real, break through, and learn how to make your midlife the best time of your life? Take on those life challenges and turn them into opportunities? Let's rock. Here's Dr. Ellen. Hey, everybody, welcome to Rock Your Midlife. If you are a returning listener, thank you so much for joining me again. We have listeners all over the world, new people in Spain, in China, in Ukraine, in Russia, in the Netherlands. If you are new, welcome. I'm so glad that you were here today. We have such an important show that is going to be life-changing all October. I have been talking about breast cancer because if you've been listening to the show, you know that I was literally diagnosed about two or three weeks after I started this podcast, and I feel like so much of the show and midlife is getting real. So I have been talking about it, and today's show I'm so excited about because I really want to talk about the fact that this isn't your mother's breast cancer. Yes, one out of eight women will experience a diagnosis in her lifetime, and there are more than two million new cases of breast cancer in women. Um every year, 264,000 in the United States, but I'm here to say it's not your mother's breast cancer. And so I know that even thinking about that C word, right? We get really freaked out about it. And I hope today's show is going to give you a lot of information about what you can do to heal and prevent cancer. And I'm so excited to be sharing one of the people who has been an integral part on, of my team, Dr. Jen. She went from being a breast cancer surgeon, working on thousands of women, and we'll get her story in a few moments, how she transformed herself, her body, and went on to create this amazing business called Real Health MD, where she is helping women like me really heal and deal. And I have to say, she's been life transforming. And I'm here to say that that I actually feel better now than I did six months ago when I got diagnosed. So she's been amazing. We'll be talking with her, but I want to share a little story. Um, one of the other health issues that I have had to deal with is a detached retina. So a couple of years, my retina detached three times. I went blind in my right eye. Fortunately, I had an amazing surgeon and he was able to operate. He basically threw the kitchen sink at my eye and my vision's pretty good these days. I'm, I'm really grateful for that. But I was in the eye doctor. I have to go back every six months or so to get checked. And so I was talking to the technician who was kind of putting drops in my eyes and testing my eyesight prior to my appointment with the, um, the doctor. You know, and I told her my history because she's like, so what's new with you? And I'm like, okay, well, I got diagnosed with breast cancer. And her first, you know, response, which I think is everybody's is, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And I was like, don't be sorry. It was caught early. And because it was stage 1A and I've had an amazing team and I've made some huge changes, I'm in remission and I feel awesome. But I said to her, so, you know, what's your story in terms of, you know, getting your mammogram? Because I'm a poster child for early detection 
is so um, important, whether you are getting your mammograms. For me, it was mammogram, breast um, density, ultra scan. And also, you know, when was the last time you used your hands and just did a self exam? Such an awesome thing to do in the shower. Last week's guests were younger. Um, they both found their breast cancer through feeling a lump. So that's just a fantastic thing to get in the habit of doing. And so, you know, I talked to her further and she was like, well, my mother had breast cancer. My aunt had breast cancer. It's kind of on my list to go and get it done. But how many of us procrastinate about really checking in with ourselves, using our intuition. If something doesn't feel right, if your breasts look different, if they feel different going, well, I don't want to deal with that. Well, that kind of, that's like human nature, right? We do the, the duck and cover thing when it comes to fear. Because let's face it, the word cancer, so scary. Like when I heard that word, I just went into this fear vortex. I was like, what the F? I'm the healthiest person I know. I have no family history. I nursed. I had kids. I My diet is fantastic. But I got breast cancer. And I later found out it was in some ways so many silver linings. Like I said, I feel incredible um, because I've been working with Dr. Jen and making a lot of changes in my life using both conventional and complementary therapy, which is super exciting because even mainstream, which has not been very open, the conventional is not always open to the complementary, where I um, get my treatment at UVM, they actually have an acupuncturist that they hire to work with people who are going through chemo. So although my oncologist kind of is like vitamin C, you know, my, my, he said my patient, my, I had a patient who used that and it was made from corn syrup and made her blood sugar go up, which I was like, huh, doesn't make sense. But although they're not always open to it, particularly for treatment, the number of people who are conventional, who understand the value of complementary to alleviate symptoms of you know radiation and chemotherapy and surgery is really going up. So anyway, my point with her is, you know, get yourself checked. It is, it is a very scary thing to deal with, but the the sooner it is found, the better your chances are of making the necessary changes, changing your lifestyle. It's an opportunity for transformation. And that's really what midlife is all about. You know, shit happens at midlife. We have elderly parents, we have teenagers, we have health crises, we have relationship issues, careers perhaps are not, you know, we're not feeling as excited about our work. And so, Rather than ducking and cover whatever it is, you've got to face your challenges and use them as opportunities to transform. Um, it's the same thing, uh, you know, for breast cancer. For me, it was also good because I found out I have a BRCA mutation. So I'm probably going to get my ovaries out because I have a higher risk of ovarian cancer, which is not easy to detect and I've made necessary changes and my kids are getting tested. So there's a lot of um, good things that came out of it. I have to say I'm happier than healthy and healthier than I was a year ago. Um, changed my priorities. So please do get yourself checked. So, uh, so consider this your invitation to do a self-check, get a mammogram, get a breast density ultrasound, do what you need to do to keep yourself healthy. So speaking of keeping yourself healthy, I'm so excited to introduce Dr. Jen Simmons. I actually met her, talk about you know coincidence and serendipity. We were both on a women's health summit 
and I was speaking with the host of the summit and she's like, oh my God, you've got to talk to Dr. Jen because I had just been diagnosed and I was like really not sure what to do, where to turn to. So we had a conversation. I had a um, complimentary consult with her. I have to say, if you are facing breast cancer or you've been diagnosed with a BRCA mutation or you have a family history, connect at Real Health MD because um, she's amazing. She is very empowering. She is fun. She is wise. She knows the whole spectrum. She was one of the leaders in breast surgery and cancer care in Philadelphia for 17 years. Her own illness led her to discover functional medicine and found Real Health MD. She is passionate about the idea of pursuing health rather than treating illness. And I love that because so much is about healing, right? Healing on every level. And her programs are about healing you physically, healing you mentally, healing spiritually, emotionally, in your relationships. It's not just about curing it. Certainly with breast cancer, we're getting closer to curing it, but that's not the same as healing. And we'll get a little bit into the differences between healing and curing. Ellen, so- I think I can just retire. Like, I think you have my whole thing. <laughs> I think okay. you got it down. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And she's immersed herself in the study of functional medicine, and she aims to provide a roadmap to those who want to know real health. So thank you for all you've done for me. And welcome to Rock Your Midlife, Jen. It's Dr. Jen. It's so good to have you here. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. So let's start off talking about your story. So you were a breast cancer surgeon, um, I believe at Emerson, and I think you were head of the women's either the uh, the health center, the cancer center. And then I was, something happened I was running life. the entire cancer program for my hospital, but I think I have to like back up a little bit because um, breast cancer was really, um, I, I was born into this literally. So picture it's 1986 and a song comes on the radio, right? And it's the greatest love of all by Whitney Houston. And there isn't a person out there who is not moved by that song. That song was written by a woman named Linda Creed. She was a singer-songwriter in the 1970s, 1980s. She wrote all the music for the spinners and the stylistics. But her most famous song was The Greatest Love of All. She wrote 54 hits in all, but this was by far the most famous of her songs. She wrote that song in 1977 as the title track to the movie The Greatest, starring Muhammad Ali. But it really received its acclaim when Whitney Houston released it in March of 1986. And at that time, it would spend 14 weeks at the top of the charts. But Linda would never know that because Linda died just one month after Whitney released that song. Wow. Now, Linda wasn't just anyone to me. Linda was my first cousin. She was diagnosed with breast cancer when I was nine, and she died when I was 16. She was my hero. She was literally a rock star. And when she died, I was filled with this sense of purpose, sense of responsibility. I knew I needed to do something with my life so that other women, families did not have to endure what my family had to endure because we lost our rock star so young and early and way before her time. And so I did the only thing I knew how to do. And I became 
a physician, I became a surgeon, and I became the first fellowship trained breast surgeon in Philadelphia. And I was doing great, phenomenal things, things that no one else was doing. I was doing uh, oncoplastic surgery. I was doing some of my own reconstructions. I was really trying to create a silver lining for people. And I was at the top of my game. I'm also a wife, a mother. I'm running the cancer program for my hospital. I'm an athlete. I'm a philanthropist. I have all these balls in the air and think I am superwoman and capable of doing everything and handling everything and walking around with the weight of the world on my shoulders, burning my candle at both ends and thinking I'm invincible. I went from being this high performing person to not being able to walk across the room that's that's how little stamina and strength that I had. And this happened in a day. I didn't notice a slight change. This happened to me in one day. Wow, that is a, an amazing story. And before we sort of get into what happened next, what was it like? And I meant to ask my breast cancer surgeon about it, just like seeing cancer, like every day, like looking at the cells and thinking this is the enemy, or I don't know. I'm just curious what that was like to actually deal with it. It's interesting because that's not what I saw. So what I saw and what got me out of bed every day when I was running on five hours sleep, what, what I saw was the beauty and trust that, that God put in me, instilled in me that allowed people to have me help them in their most vulnerable state. Like these were women who were diagnosed with cancer in the, in the lowest, darkest time of their life. And they would come into my operating room, go to sleep on my table and trust me with their lives. Like the privilege that I had was so tremendous. This God-given gift was so tremendous. That's really all I ever thought about in the operating room. I didn't focus on cancer. I focused on gratitude. That I had this amazing honor to be able to help people in this way. Well, that's an amazing, amazing story. So tell us what happened next. So you all of a sudden in a day, so you go in from a day, being superwoman. I am, and- I am diagnosed with Graves' disease. This is an autoimmune disease of the thyroid. And um, autoimmune disease is often a precursor a few years before breast cancer. And I'm sitting in the office of my friend and colleague and doctor And he's telling me that I need to have surgery and radiation and chemotherapy, all things that I recommend to people all day, every day, without hesitation, without reservation. And yet when these words were coming at me, I felt like I was in Charlie Brown's classroom. Womp, 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 womp. And I just somehow felt that there had to be another way. There had to be another way. Uh, explanation, another offering 
another option because I couldn't see through to why God would give me an organ only for me to remove it and then have to replace it for the rest of my life, which is what I was looking at. And so I refused treatment, which did not go over well. (laughs) Um, And I went on a quest to heal myself. And it wasn't a direct path. And I stumbled and fell a lot. I decided that despite being uh, a physician and despite not being overweight, like I thought I knew what you needed to know about nutrition because I wasn't overweight and I went to medical school, right? So I suffered the same delusion that most physicians suffer. Like if there was so much to it, they would have taught it to us then. They didn't, it must not be important. But in researching about uh, autoimmune disease, you see the same things over and over again, diet, 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 diet. So I decide to enroll in IIN, the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. And I'm sitting in one of the first lectures and a man named Mark Hyman comes on stage. Now I'm still my snooty booty self a little bit sitting there thinking like, I'm a physician, you know, what could I possibly have to learn here? So he introduces himself as a functional medicine physician. I'm a doctor for about 20 years at this point. And I'm thinking to myself, like, there's no such thing as a functional medicine physician. What is this quack talking about? And within five minutes of this man speaking, my entire life made sense. And I knew that the reason that I got sick was so that I could be in that seat on that day so that I could hear him speak and know that this was my life's purpose. So I'm curious before we, did you have, and I'm reading a wonderful book now um, called Strength to Strength, which really talks about, if you're familiar with it by um, by Brooks, and he talks about how we we are not as we don't have as much flow intelligence we're not you know operating quite as our you know our a game in our 50s and of course and i'm curious if you know before you sort of get into your tra- total transformation to doing what you do today did you have trouble with your ego you know going from this place where i am like head of this on top of my game and then all of a sudden like i'm i'm not doing this anymore i have to reinvent myself so i'm curious if that was hard for you or you just felt it sounds like you just felt like you were in the flow and it all made sense from kind of a god-given perspective so what you uh what i probably didn't um wasn't clear about is that i was on this journey for me this was a selfish journey this wasn't about like how I can be the best doctor to my patients because I wasn't even in the mindset of what is my illness trying to tell me. And it wasn't until I learned more about functional medicine and learned more about myself and learned more about healing that I learned that this was my message. And so my message and what I was meant to do really didn't come through till about three years later. So three years later, I, you know, I had been studying functional medicine and trying to integrate that into healing myself and into my surgical practice. And I was scheduled to be in the operating room 
this the next morning and I woke up early that morning at 2.30 and my face was numb and I thought I was having a stroke. And I went and I, I, I don't know what woke me up, but I rushed into the mirror and um, I could move my face. I just couldn't feel it. And I went into, I went back to sleep, got up, went into the operating room and my right hand was numb and I could move it. But over the course of time, like the numbness continued, I became clumsy. I like couldn't exactly think in the way that I had been known to think and at the speed, which I had been known to think. And, um, I had been making changes, quiet changes over time, but that, um, it, it clearly like wasn't enough and I hadn't arrived at the right thing for me. And I went to go see my neurologist cause I was worried. And, um, you know, she, what she basically said to me was, listen, certainly sounds like MS, but most people take three years to get an MS diagnosis. So we'll just watch and wait. And it was at that point, And I think I was probably like along, along the lines of starting to learn a lot about mindset and thinking about mindset and, and knowing that what we think about grows and that we can create our reality and that our body illness is just our body trying to signal us that something's not right, something's out of balance. And these can be psychological things that are out of balance. And the reason that they manifest as physical symptoms is because you didn't listen when they were whispering to you. And so when I got this, when I had my um, neurological evaluation and was told to watch and wait, I went deep into myself and I said, like, what am I missing here? And what I was missing is that I was just really living my old life with a couple of new changes and I wasn't listening. I wasn't listening to what the universe was trying to tell me. I wasn't listening to what my body was trying to tell me. And it wasn't until I left surgery and created the space for this new chapter of my life that I started to heal. And so I didn't go from great to great. I went from, I went from great to quiet <laughs> To, to and slowly built up to great again. And I think that people vibrate at a certain level. And if you're great at one thing, but it's not the right thing for you, you it, when you honor that, that, that right thing for you, you're going to be great at too. And I was told by someone close to me, when I was thinking about leaving surgery and, and doing and, and changing my practice and changing the focus to functional medicine, this person told me to stay in my lane, that I'm never going to be as good at something else as I was at, as at surgery. 
And I'm so delighted to have proved him wrong. And I'm so delighted that I can set that example of listening to the signals of honoring your body and what your body needs and wants and of fulfilling your purpose. Because I think we were all put here for a purpose and these purposes don't have to be grand, but they just have to be true to you. And my true purpose is to help many, many people. And I walked away from surgery because I was only in that one-on-one space and surgery focuses on the cancer. I don't want cancer to grow. I want life to grow. And so I walked away from that space to be one to many, to help as many people as I possibly could with my goal to help millions of women navigate, navigate this space and get them to the place that you now know about. Because my goal for people is always for them to be healthier after their diagnosis than they ever were before. To find what the universe is trying to tell you, to find that message in your diagnosis, because it's always there. Find that message and and live in authenticity with your purpose. Well, that's amazing story. I didn't know any of this about you. So I'm so doubly happy to hear and get to know you on a deeper level. So if somebody's listening and they're feeling like, you know, my life isn't fulfilling right now, my heart's telling me something different, how, what would you recommend for getting the courage, following that path with heart, and then also listening to your intuition? Because I know when we turn our intuition off, we don't listen. Like for me, it was all about leaning into my workaholic, leaning into my workaholic. I got to produce more. I've got to, you know, make more money, have more followers, have more clients. And I think that was a part of my diagnosis as well as doing so much more giving than receiving. But if someone's listening, whether it's about a health issue or a career issue or relationships, what advice would you give them in terms of having the courage to follow your heart and then also being able to really listen to your intuition? Yeah. So it, it's a lot about faith. And, and believing in, in what you're doing and in yourself and believing that the universe will provide what you need. And it's very, very scary to walk away from comfortable. It's very, very scary to change, but it's only through change and growth that we actually expand. And if we're not expanding, we're not living right? And so I want to live as long as possible, as full as possible, and die young at a very old age. I love that. We're going to take a little break. And when we come back, we are going to talk to Dr. Jen some more. I want to get into what we can do to prevent breast cancer and also in general, what we can do as midlife women just to feel awesome. And as you said, live with so much vitality. You are listening to Rock Your Midlife. We will be back after the break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Midlife can be challenging. You may be sandwiched between growing kids and aging parents, dealing with menopause and trying to find work-life balance. Or maybe your life looks good on the outside, but inside you're feeling stressed and overwhelmed and wondering how to get your confidence and joy back. 
you need someone to help you get real, discover who you are, and navigate life. Hi, I'm Dr. Ellen, the Midlife Whisperer, and I'm here to help. I've worked with hundreds of midlife women, went from surviving to thriving at midlife myself, and literally wrote the book on this pivotal time period, Rock Your Midlife, Seven Steps to Transform Yourself and Make Your Next Chapter Your Best Chapter. Think of me as the one-stop shop for all your midlife needs. I'm a psychologist, nutritionist, and board-certified health and wellness coach with 30 years of experience empowering midlife women. I provide nutrition consults, life coaching, and free resources to help you transform your body, your mind, your career, and your relationships. Feeling stuck? I can help you figure out how to live authentically with joy, passion, and purpose. Every Wednesday here on Voice America, live from 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I share my passion for making the most of midlife and my expertise on the most pressing midlife issues from changing family relationships, managing stress, and securing enough resources to rediscovering yourself. I also interview experts from around the world to help you navigate your life. For more information, please visit my website, themidlifewhisperer.com, for fabulous resources, including my free gift, 10 Tips to Rock Your Midlife. That's themidlifewhisperer.com. Hope to see you there soon. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Rock Your Midlife with Dr. Ellen, the Midlife Whisperer. Have a question for Dr. Ellen or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. Now back to the show. Here again is Dr. Ellen, the Midlife Whisperer. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Rock Your Midlife. If you are enjoying the show, please leave me a review. Let me know what you think about the show, the type of guests you'd want to hear. You can reach out to me as well at the at the Midlife Whisperer, midlifewhisperer.com. That's the midlifewhisperer.com. I would love to hear from you. And I've been talking to Dr. Jen Simmons, who is a functional medicine doctor who is really on a mission to inform as many women as possible around what you can do to prevent, to heal breast cancer. And if you have a question for Dr. Jen, please give us a call at 866-472-5787. We would love to hear from you. So Dr. Jen, let's talk a little bit about prevention. I know a lot of women are really scared of breast cancer and there's a lot of lifestyle things that people can do. What can women do to reduce the risk of having breast cancer? So first of all, I want to be clear. Breast health is health, right? So we we don't separate the two. So you don't have healthy breasts in an unhealthy body and vice versa. Now the breast happens to be one of those organs that's a little more sensitive to environmental insults. And so with regard to that, whenever I think about breast health, 
The primary thing is creating the environment, creating the environment that you want. I never focus on disease. I always focus on health. And that's very intentional because what we think about grows. So if you want disease to grow, by all means, focus on that. But if you want to live a healthy life and die young as late as possible, then what you want to focus on is health. And so we, are, we know that there are certain things that drive health. The first thing is probably our greatest contact with our environment is going to be nourishment. It's going to be food. It's going to be drink and the other things that nourish us, right? So good feelings, hugs, love, relationship, connection, like all of those things are how we nourish ourselves. And when thinking about food, we want to think about the way that our ancestors ate, because we want our bodies to recognize food as food. So all of these like Franken foods that have popped up and are so prevalent in our society, when we consume them, it just confuses our body and causes inflammation. So we have an entire immune system that's kind of on guard in our gut and it is checking out everything that comes in and it's deciding if it's friend or foe. And if you send it foes every single day, year after year, your immune system is going to fail. And it's the failure of immune system that allows for disease to grow. So the first thing you want to think about when you're eating is like, did it grow in the ground, fall from a tree, walk, swim, fly, right? And does it not come in a package? You know, does other not than- come in a package, has one ingredient, right? That is food. If a three-year-old can tell you where it came from, that is food. But otherwise, th- this is not food and is not nourishing us. It's not driving us towards our ultimate goal, our ultimate purpose. You know, I, I, I don't know how many people like want to end up a Twinkie. And my mom, who wasn't right about everything, you are what you eat. She got that one right. Yeah, it's really true. My mother read Francis Ford LePay's Diet for a Small Planet when I was about seven or eight. And out went all of the processed food. And all of a sudden we were having brown rice, tofu and broccoli instead of, you know, lunch and meats and yeah. potato chips. And, yeah. and most of it's so interesting how the big food, the food industry has hijacked our taste buds where we are so looking for food as a way to raise our dopamine levels, to feel good as comfort versus enjoying it. And I think fresh, whole food tastes best, but we've been kind of hijacked. So if you're listening and you want to make those changes, please do, you know, connect with Dr. Jen or myself. There are a lot of nutritionists out there who can really help you to change your eating habits because food really is your best medicine. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And, you know, what you're talking about with big food, it's very intentional. I mean, they spend billions, if not trillions of dollars to make these foods that are so addictive, that are so like dopamine generating uh, and 
And where do they market them to? They market them to children. They want to create users as early as possible. And even, you know, even baby formula is like garbage. It's terrible. It's terrible. And breastfeeding reduces your risk as well. So it's kind of a- It does, but more important than reducing your risk, it reduces your child's risk. And we need to start this from the, from the very beginning. And, you know, it's become like people who breastfeed are still kind of thought of beyond, certainly beyond a certain point are thought of as weird and odd and, and, and it's totally devalued in our, in our society. And it is the start of health problems for people. Because it's so bizarre because it's, it's totally natural and what we should be doing. And I would say as a hint too, if you're getting started and being more natural, shop the periphery. So yes. all of your natural foods, you walk into the grocery store, there's your produce sitting right there, smiling at you, walking around Absolutely. the edges. Also, you know, if you can get organic and organic doesn't have to be expensive. Well, I shop at Costco, I shop at Trader Joe's and organic is maybe, I don't know, 50 cents more, you know, per a pound, per a package. So, but you don't have to be all organic. There's some produce that yeah. is more important to have as organic, but it's better to things that, you know, have appeal on it are not going to be as big a deal. So if you feel like, well, I can't really afford organic, certainly really making plant foods the focus of your plate is a key thing for not just, you know, we're not just talking about preventing disease. We're talking about feeling good now. Yeah. Well, so we have normalized feeling bad as we age, right? And the reason that we've normalized it is because most physicians have no idea how to help people to feel good right? Because our entire medical system is really built on illness. Doctors don't get paid unless you get sick. They, they don't get paid when you're healthy. When you're healthy, you don't go to the doctor, right? Hospitals don't get paid when you're healthy. They only get paid when you're sick. And so our entire system is dependent on you being sick. And so there's no value put on health because there's no value to our current system in health. And until that changes, people like you and I are not very popular. <laughs> but it right? is starting to change because we it, are getting the message out there. So start it is with starting to change for sure. Start with your start with focusing on wellness, not illness. Right. Um, and then also making sure, you know, you're eating a whole food plant-based diet Yes, um, and sure. drinking, what do you recommend? I mean, I'm, you know, I think for so, you've recommended herbal teas and water for me. Yes. So again, with the teas, make sure they're organic and everyone should be drinking filtered water. And so there are lots and lots of ways to do that. You can put a filter on your kitchen sink. You can put a filter on your whole house. You can drink out of a bottle that has a built-in filter. Um, but everyone should be drinking filtered water because there are just too many chemicals, heavy metals, pesticides, herbicides, fungicides. There's too much in our water and we need water. Water is life, right? And so everyone should be drinking filtered water. So you're shopping the periphery, you're knowing the ewg.org's clean 15 and dirty dozen. So you know what you have to buy organic and what you can buy conventional. And remember, like it doesn't always have to be fresh. You can use frozen organic 
vegetables and fruit. You can use, I mean, I don't love cans because the cans are lined, but there are other options other than just buying fresh everything. Uh, Frozen is just as healthy. Um, And in some cases, like with broccoli, you're supposed to cut broccoli 40 minutes before you use it so that the enzymes can start to activate. And with frozen broccoli, it's already been cut for you. So that I didn't process, know that. I knew that about garlic. I knew yeah, that garlic. You it's have- true of garlic. It's true of onions. Kale needs to be massaged, and um, and broccoli needs to be cut. All the crucifers need to be cut. And how long do you wait for garlic? Uh, garlic at least ten minutes. Garlic and onion at least ten minutes. Oh, broccoli good to know. forty. I am learning things here just by thirty years of being a registered dietitian. I mean, that's it's interesting, and also even in dietetic school, the things that we are taught are off as well. So I know I've learned so much about, you know, the, the importance of the whole food plant-based diet. All right. So diet, what we drink, what else, what are other things? I know exercise is super important for exercise is super important. And there's study after study, after study for people who want the science, the science is there. It's in, it's for certain that people who move their bodies do better across the board. They are less depressed. They have less heart disease. They have less diabetes. They have less cancer. They have better survival in all of these things should they develop, right? So should you get cancer, you have a better chance of surviving if you move than if you don't. And I know for me with treatment, it was huge because I was, you know, I was doing my 10,000 steps the day after my surgery. Yeah. Radiation was not a big deal. Um, You helped me out with lots of things to help me detox, but I felt good. I was, you know, and again, if you're listening, I was surprised at how good I felt during treatment. I mean, obviously because of the support that you've given me, but it doesn't have to be this hellish thing, but start moving your body just because you do, you feel better and we stay functional and certainly to do the aerobic exercise, to do the strength training, to do the flexibility. And I'm a really also a big fan of um, high intensity in- interval training to get your heart rate up. And that was a hit. another thing that I did start with you is jumping on my trampoline. And initially I was kind of resistant, but now it's just a fun 10 minute break. I throw in some music. I listen to a podcast. It's energizing. It's really fun. Yeah. And it's yeah. make it fun too. I don't know why we have yeah, put so such that, a bad label on movement. That is the thing with movement is that if what you're doing makes you miserable, it doesn't help. So you have to do what you love. So if that's dancing, if it is riding a bike, if it's a stationary bike, if it's swimming, if it's walking, if it's running, if it's playing tennis, like it doesn't matter what it is for you, just do it. But it has to be joyful, right? You You can't see it as torture because that just induces stress which just induces the whole stress cascade. And that's what we're trying to get away from. We're trying to get away from the chemistry of stress and instead live in the chemistry of joy because it's the chemistry of joy that fosters health and the chemistry of stress that fosters disease. So So we want to get away from that. What is the chemistry of stress versus the chemistry of joy? Right. So, you know, we're talking about people who are cortisol dominant, who are, um, you literally can measure these, these markers of stress in their blood. And this is, is what fosters disease. So it raises insulin levels, which raise insulin like growth factor. And this actually um, 
stimulates growth of abnormal cells. So we want to stay away from that. And we want to make sure that we have lots of tools in place to be able to manage the stressors in our environment. Like we're never going to get rid of the stress. That's ridiculous. And not all stress is bad. So think about planning a wedding. It's a very stressful time. It's also joyous. Think about having a baby. Very stressful time, also joyous. But we want to make sure that we have these tools in place to be able to manage the stress. So the stress itself is not meaningful. It's what we do with the stress, how we internalize the stress, the effect that we allow the stress to have on us. That's what's meaningful. And how do we change our relation? I mean, some stress we need. And you've talked to me about that. We we need need stresses. We need some stress to get out of bed in the morning, to get going, to move, but too much stress. To heal, to heal. Certainly inflammation. Yes. So how do we change our relationship and change our mindset so that we are not allowing the stress to run the show and not, you know, fueling it with more alcohol, more caffeine, more sugar? Of course. So everyone is going to be a little different. And what works for everyone is going to be a little different. There are a thousand techniques. Some people go to yoga. Some people go to meditation. Some people go to Qigong. Some people dance. Some people journal. Some people just do a brain dump where they just write down whatever is is ruminating in their head and get rid of it. Give it another space to occupy like the page other than their body, other than their mind, right? And so sometimes it takes some some trial and error. You have to see like what resonates with you and, and what makes you feel good and feel in control. But the main thing is to be that you're in control of what you internalize. So what you say yes to and what you say no to. Uh, and uh, Emily Fletcher, who is uh, the head of, she, she invented the Ziva method, Ziva meditation. Um, she explained meditation to me in a way that I could relate because when I started to meditate, I really like, it was like torture for me. I thought like, I have to stay still and I have to clear my mind. And what she said is that, first of all, we never clear our mind right? So we can focus our mind on what we want to focus on, but the only time our mind stops thinking is when we're dead. So that's not going to happen in a meditative session. In a meditative session, you are building that strength. You are building that muscle so that you're building that skill set. And like any other muscle in your body, we are not going to strengthen it without working it. Right. And that's why meditation is a practice, right? Because you have to practice. So we don't meditate to get good at meditation. We meditate to get good at life. So this is the picture that she painted for me. So let's say that you're the host of a cocktail party at your home. And so people are going to come into your home. You're going to greet them. Maybe you're even going to spend a little time with them, 
but you're not going to spend the entire time with them because you're hosting this cocktail party in your home. So you're going to say, hi, thanks for coming and move on to the next thing. But you are in control that entire time of who you're spending time with and who you're giving your attention to. This is the same thing that we are as we come into contact with all of these things during our day. Hi, stressor. I acknowledge you. I see you. If you are something that I need to deal with, I'm going to let you in. If you're not my problem, I'm letting you go. Control what you can control in the way that you should control it. Those are powerful, powerful suggestions. I would add to that too, um, self-compassion. So important in terms of when you notice that you are stressed, when you're suffering, rather than plowing forward, staying in that sort of stress rumination mindset, taking a moment and just noticing, being mindful. I'm struggling right now. Maybe that's, you stop, take some breaths, you put your hand on your heart. Over time, you really build that self-compassion muscle. And also connection is so important. One thing that I help clients with all the time is let's turn on oxytocin. So we're talking about cortisol. We talked a little bit about dopamine when we're talking about, you know, M&Ms and salty potato chips, you know, sort of sex, drugs, rock and roll. But there's this other chemical neurotransmitter called oxytocin, which is the mammalian chemical of caring connection. When we pet our dog, when we even look at our dog, and I know you've got an adorable dog, I have seen him or her, our oxytocin levels go up. We are so um, devoid of that. There he is, <laughs> of connection. And, you know, petting our dog, kissing our dog, getting that attention or our spouse or our kids, especially in this day and age, we're, we're getting increasingly programmed to connect in this meta universe where it's all virtual, where I don't, I don't think being in the meta universe raises your, um, your oxytocin levels. It certainly mm-hmm. raises your stress levels, but mm-hmm. I think we need more of that in the mm-hmm. world to handle our stress where we have one-on-one connection with our, you know, our animals with each other. What are other things we can do to feel good? Cause that's something that I, I was at a, um, a pro-aging talk, a couple of, Weeks ago, and we said, I said this out there. I, I feel so effing good. I use the full F bond, but like, I love that. me because I do. I feel better than I did six months ago. I thought I felt really good, but I was a workaholic. I was eating too much grains. I wasn't getting enough sleep. Now I've cut out pretty much alcohol completely. Um, I was doing a lot right, but but the feeling I feel so good. What are other things that people can do just to feel awesome? Well, I I think especially during this time, you hit the nail on the head that connection is so very important. So living in a connected way, but also living in um, a purposeful way. So purpose-driven living um, is really what allows us to really be filled with gratitude and giving to other people. So, you know, it's nice to connect with other people, but the act of um, really volunteering, doing things for others, that really boosts our oxytocin levels. Um, And I, I, I do hope that we get to talking about sleep because it's impossible to feel good if you're not sleeping. And sleep is where the healing happens. And 
there is really no path to health without sleep. And the people that believe that they, they as short sleepers or, um, power sleepers, people that don't need sleep. It's just not true. Yeah. I need to do a whole show. I'm hoping that I can have the author of why we sleep. So we only have a minute left, Dr. Jen, and you have been such a wealth of information. Um, how are you rocking midlife? in 15, 20 seconds. What are you doing outside of your work? And I know that you're a mom. I think you've got teenagers. What do you in rock midlife? I have teenage boys and I I honestly, I'm learning to say no to others so that I can say yes to me. I'm learning to prioritize the things that bring me joy, spending time with my husband and with my children and with people I care deeply about doing meaningful work but doing those things that bring joy and create joy so that I can, again, like die young at a very old age. I absolutely love that. And I love you. And I'm so grateful for you being on my show today and everything you've done. If you want to get in touch with Jen, Dr. Jen, it's Real Health MD. I know you're also on Facebook at Real Health MD. You're on Instagram at Real Health MD. Your website's Real Health MD. Lots of blogs, great video about you, testimonials. Yes. Thank you for everything you're doing. My pleasure. And catch the Beyond the Cancer Summit. All right. Absolutely. Thank you all so much for joining. And if you want to reach out to me, just go to the midlifewhisper.com. That's the midlifewhisper.com. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening to Rock Your Midlife. We hope this episode has helped you get real, discover who you are, and get the tools to navigate your life. Until we talk again, have a fantastic week and go rock your midlife.